Today's show is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Sign up for a free premium 30-day trial specifically for the listeners of Geekspace 9 at the URL GameflyOffer.com slash GS9. Again, that is GameflyOffer.com slash the letter G, the letter S, and the number 9. Hello and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuskachid Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series Deep Space Nine. With me as always is Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing very well. I'm looking forward to talking about these episodes today because they were great. We had some deep, intense episodes and we are also joined by Peter Dency. Hi, what's up? I mean... I don't know if I want to talk about these episodes because I because I don't have a box of tissue sitting next to me, so I'm feeling <laughs> yeah, very you're, unprepared. You're not the one who has to read the the whole plot synopsis. So if this I can fair. get through yeah. visitor without tearing up, it's gonna be hard. So <clears throat> Yes, this week we did to see season four, episode three and episode four, which is The Visitor and Hippocratic Oath. So first up is The Visitor. We open the episode with an elderly man living alone and injecting himself with an unknown substance. He is surprised when someone knocks on the door, revealed to be a young woman named Melanie. The man thinks she is lost, but she reveals she is an aspiring writer who loves the work of the man, who is in fact Jake Sisko. She reveals that Jake was an acclaimed writer, but he only wrote one novel and a few short stories, but stopped writing at an early age. J.D. Salinger. She loves his work and wants to know why he stopped. Jake admits that any other day he would send her away, but today is a special day, so he explains that it all began the day his father died. We go back to the present DS9 time, where Benjamin invites Jake to witness the Bajoran wormhole going through an inversion, something that won't occur again for another 50 years. The inversion causes a malfunction in the warp drive, and as Benjamin and Jake try to fix it, Benjamin is hit by an energy beam, and disappears in front of Jake. Captain Sisko is presumed dead, and a memorial is held in his honor. Dax, Nog, and everyone else try to help Jake, but he is lost and depressed without his father. A few months later, Jake sees Benjamin appear in his bedroom, but dismisses it as a dream. A year goes by. Nog is leaving for Starfleet, and everyone tries to convince Jake to leave DS9, but he feels the station is all that is remaining of his father's legacy. One day, while walking the halls, Benjamin appears again. Jake reaches him to discover he is real. The crew take him to sickbay where they discover Benjamin is stuck out of time, living in subspace where it feels like only minutes to him between being brought back to normal space-time. While the crew tries their best, Benjamin tells Jake that he needs to move on without him. Jake tries to hold on, but Benjamin disappears again, and Jake collapses in sadness. Older Jake says to Melanie that this reveal that Benjamin was alive but trapped outside of time was far more hurtful than just thinking he was dead. Jake and the crew try their best to find him, but without the ability to recreate the accident for another five decades, they cannot succeed. Because of the loss of Benjamin as the emissary, the Bajorans lose faith in the Federation and sign a treaty with Cardassia. The station is also given over to the Klingon Empire, and and while Jake wants to stay to see if his father will appear there again, He has to leave. Convinced there is now no way to see his father again, 
Jake moves on with his life. He goes to college, publishes a novel, marries a Bajoran woman named Corinna, remains friends with Nog, who becomes a Starfleet officer, and lives a happy life. However, Benjamin appears again seven years into his marriage. Ben is delighted to see Jake is married and a successful writer, and demands grandkids. Jake apologizes to his dad for abandoning his attempts to save him, but Benjamin tells him to move on with his life before disappearing again. Jake, now realizing Ben is tied to him and not the station, abandons his writing career to study subspace mechanics in a hope to save his father. In the process, Jake becomes so engrossed in his studies that by the time he gets his doctorate, Karina has left him. Jake is convinced with the wormhole coming into inversion again, he can finally recreate the accident. He takes a crew commanded by Nog and joined by an old Dax and Bashir into the wormhole. The experiment at first seems to be a success, but Jake is pulled into Substase Field again with Ben. Benjamin is saddened to learn Jake abandoned his career and his wife to save him, and he tells him that he has to go on and write once again. Ben is lost again, and Jake is heartbroken. However, this time, he decides to honor his father's request. Jake spends the rest of his life writing new stories and plans to po publish them posthumously. He reveals to Melanie that he has calculated that today will be the last day Ben will be back in the regular time stream, and that Jake is anchoring Benjamin to their timeline. He figures if he dies when Benjamin is in normal time, he will be sent back to the past and be able to stop the accident. He gives Melanie his final writings, along with his notes, but tells her to enjoy life once in a while. After she leaves, Jake falls asleep, but awakens to his father. He reveals his plans for suicide, telling Ben that young Jake needs Ben more than older Jake needs his remaining years. Jake dies, and Benjamin is sent back and manages to avoid the energy beam. Ben holds his son tight, and while he doesn't tell him what happens, he knows his son lived an entire life just to save him. What do you think of The Visitor? Actual tears. Like, actual tears. A lot of times if, when I watch a movie or a television show that makes me feel things, I'll, you know, say to my friends, like, you know, I'm crying. This is so sad. But I won't actually mean it. It'll be more of, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this very intensely, right. but I'm crying on the inside. This was physical tears coming out of my eyes, snot coming out of my nose. Like, it was like, actual, literal mm. crying. This is the first Star Trek episode to actually make me cry. Same. And that saying something because there's a lot of really good emotional episodes in you know any of the series yeah i guess uh bold bold stance time this is one of the best star trek episodes i've ever seen confirmed yes much agreed uh, wholeheartedly it's incredible it's an absolutely incredible incredible episode and does something that Doctor Who does very well, which is take a, a science premise and, and build an emotional catharsis out of it. Uh, again, an episode I mentioned many times, Girl in the Fireplace. I think this is much better than Girl in the Fireplace. Um, it's a similar idea of someone stuck out of time. And one thing I really appreciate about this was was it was about familial love. And usually those are about romantic love, including that particular mm -hmm. episode of Doctor Who I'm talking about. But this one is entirely about a father's love for his, or his son's love for his father. And uh, uh, <laughs> uh, obsession is a theme that I love, and and the idea of someone being obsessed to save his dad, and his dad telling him no, just move on without me. It's like, woo, yeah, <laughs> shit. Oh my god. The, the the this this like, I 
think th thinking about it now, e e even even the whole burning bush scene in Lion King, where where Mufasa was like, "Yeah, you're like, yeah, like you forgot about me. You've done all this stuff. Like that didn't even make me tear up." And yet this scene, it's like there was a rawness to it. like I wasn't exactly I wasn't exactly crying until like literally the last thirty seconds when like when. When 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 Cisco was holding a very confused Jake and like and just the crack in in Cisco's voice when he when, when after after he's after he's like is everything okay and, and Cisco was like it is now when you hear the crack in his voice and that's what broke me because it was like because like because I was already like very emotional but the tears happened then because it, it was a lot because because you because it was you realizing at the same time everything that jake did was for this one moment yeah and, and and avery brooke has so many great great acting moments in this where he has to do a very interesting job where he has to pretend to be uh this person coming into his son's life and random parts of it and just appearing in it right and there's this wonderful little thing he does where his last time he comes in jake is asleep and he just has this wonderful little pause where he's just looking at him and watching him sleep. And it's just like, ah, oh, it's something that so many parents don't get to see, which is like their kids when they're old, you know? Right. Uh, it's yeah. just like the natural thing about it. And it's just this very fascinating moment. Uh, and I just love Avery Brooks's performance in this episode so much. And it was such a loving moment, too, because, like, it, it, because, because, like 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 you said, Ben. Parents don't get to, parents don't get to see their their children when they're older sleeping, and so it was and so it was like watching Cisco watch an older Jake sleep while we're men, and and I and I'm guessing and and I'm guessing just like kind of putting my own thought into the show, him remembering when Jake was an infant and just watching his son sleep in a crib. That is that that is what I got from that moment. But just pure yeah, love. No, just absolutely. pure love. <clears throat> absolutely. It's such a a beautiful sequence of just utter devotion in someone's eyes. And I think Brooks does such a good job. <clears throat> we also should mention that uh older Jake is played by Tony Todd, who is ah, yes. uh, an awesome genre actor, uh known for being the Candyman in the Candyman series. Uh he's also the Fallen and your beloved Transformers the Fallen. Peter, <laughs> yes, thank you. And uh, Star Trek fans will know him as Kern. He's Worf's brother. Uh, oh, and he's actually okay. in this season again <laughs> as Kern. Oh, okay. Uh, coming up, so <clears throat> we'll have more Tony Todd this season. But I thought he did awesome work. He's always been an interesting actor, but he usually plays more genre films, and he gets to basically do this unbelievably hard <laughs> role of playing multiple generations and ages and. Portraying an entire life in 40 minutes, you know, is just right. such a difficult task. And I think he was just incredible in this episode. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, of course, you know, we talked about Avery Brooks already doing such a remarkable job, even though he was in, you know, just little, little parts of this episode. But, um, Peter, you said you started crying at the end when, you know, um, Captain Sisko is like, you know, I'll, I'm okay now. Like, it's okay. But I think I got started during that second to last scene when, you know, older Jake is talking to his dad and he, he told him 
what he's done. Right. And, you know, Ben, as you put it so beautifully at the end of the summary, that, you know, his son lived an entire life just to save him. Like, you know, a, a lot of times in, in movies like this, you know, where the, the parent has passed on and, you know, for whatever my- mystical reason, they get a chance to talk with their kid again. They're like, you know, go on, live your life. It's okay. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm happy. You know, you go be your own person. Jake didn't do that. He, I mean, he, he did to an extent, but then it, you know, ended up ruining his life that he didn't care because he was getting closer and closer to finding a way to bring his dad back. And right. just that, you know, viewing it even from the other side of not only, you know, does a parent love their child so much, but that the child loves the parent so much that they're willing to throw their life away so the parent can have another shot. Like, it's, oh. Not just that, but, like, down to him killing himself so that he can relive his life with his dad because he's just like, it wasn't worth it. (laughs) Whatever I got wasn't worth it Yeah, because in that that opening scene, at at first you you think, like, okay, it's an old old man, whatever whatever he's injecting himself is just something that he has to do, kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of, like, Take, kind of like taking taking a pill you have to take every day, or if or if you're like you know say have diabetes, like an like an, an, an insulin injection, like, like it's just a normal thing. But then come to find out, no, that was basically poison. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it was clearly some form of euthanasia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always a sucker for parent-child reunions. Yes. That's usually what does make me cry right. in any movie. It's like, you know, spoilers for Brother Bear of all things. It's not a great movie, but at the end when, you know, Coda sees, you know, the ghost of his mama bear, I just lose oh it God. every yes. time. No, exactly about. <laughs> uh. Brother Bear is like half the worst and half the best. It's like such a mixed movie. It's so weird. The parts that... of those movies are so good. Yeah, the that parts Brother Bear is a so weird bag. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the part that got me the hardest, uh, was, was his, when he came back the first time and they knew he was back and just, oh, uh, uh, I can't remember the actor plays Jake's uh, name real quick. Um, Sirach Lofton. Sirach Lofton. Thank you, Sarah. Yes. Um, uh, Sirach did such a good job portraying that. And he that did. was such a, a tough thing because it was so very much playing on, on, the idea of seeing someone on their deathbed you know but it's not that at all and benjamin knows he has limited time and he has everything he says matters to his son you know what i mean i think that's Mm -hmm. the other thing that hurts benjamin so much is that he he didn't get his message across the way he wanted to right maybe he never could have you know because jake didn't want to live a life and be a writer and married because he would wake up every day knowing his father was trapped out there forever and he only could live a life when he thought it was over. Like both times, it seems like he could only move on when he thought his dad was essentially dead and unsavable, and only yeah, when he knew or that. that you know he wouldn't see him again because he was leaving the space station. Right. You know, exactly. it was after that that he, you know, had his writing career and you know married his wife. But then after his dad appeared to him in his house, that was kind of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then he knew he could. He was tied to him, and he could possibly save him somehow. Yeah. Which is just so fascinating and intense. Ah, oh, that's just so good. Well, so I'll, many feelings. Let's talk about some more fun stuff. They they have some fun ideas of what an alternate universe without Benjamin would look like. I was curious what you thought of 
some of the alternate universe stuff. Uh, my particular favorite was that uh, apparently Morn still run now runs. Yeah, I love that. Coming on, taken over. <laughs> I wish that we had gotten to see Morn as the you know owner of the bar. <laughs> of course, I always I just I do, I love Morn. Like he never says a word, but he's just he's always there. And and, and they and they always and they always and and every now and then they'll mention how 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 he will talk your ear off, and it's like wait what. <laughs> like what are you talking about? Yep. Ah, oh, that's good. And Cork got his yep. moon. Yeah, got that was moon. nice. Yeah. To hear. He finally got his moon. I just wish that they ex- had explained how. That's what I was curious about. <laughs> yeah, and I really liked Karina. I mean, we only saw her for a brief second, but it seemed like she was a very nice wife for Jake, and I think they did a good job of establishing her quickly enough. Yeah. What do you think of Melanie in terms of like she seems to basically be in love with Jake? And I thought that was sort of an interesting tone. Well, I mean, in a sense, it's it's just well, yeah, but it's it's just you know I get it. You know, she has you know read the works of this author, and you know for whatever reason, just you know really really loves what he's done, and then to meet him in person must be you know almost a you know, like meeting God or something. Right. Right. It, 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 it would be. What it is that JD like, Salinger it, thing? Yeah. Sorry, go on, Peter. Yeah. It, it would be. It would be like if it would be like if a Harry Potter fan who lives in like say like some random ass part of Brazil or like somewhere like somewhere right. like that you would never think to like to even name just like got to meet J.K. Rowling. Well, yeah, and it it is based on a real event that happened to J.D. Salinger, which is in the 80s, a a high school kid who loved his work and wanted to be an aspiring writer, tracked him down, and for some reason that day, J.D. Salinger decided to let him in and talk with him for like a whole couple hours, and it's sort of this interesting, famous moment that's in like, you know, defined movies like, uh, what's that one? Finding Forrester is based on Mm. the same event, and you've seen a lot of sort of like, anytime you've seen like a, a reclusive writer who gets broken down by some person that's usually what it's mm. that sort of apocryphal story is based off of. i thought that was a very interesting way of, of telling the story and yeah. i liked melanie a lot melanie is actually uh andrew robinson uh, the actor who plays garrick's daughter in real life oh. oh yeah cool yeah it's a neat little thing i guess once uh cisco dies or um well yeah jake cisco dies then uh well, it's not. I guess probably not that she ceases to exist, but you know, as we know her, she ceases to exist because you know it goes back and he changes the past that his dad lives. I guess the question is: Is it like parallels? Because parallels said that there was like multiple timelines for all different outcomes. You know. Oh, true. Yeah. So yeah, this it's hard be, to say. Yeah, it's bas- It's basically. Yeah, it's like it, how timeline, like, like 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 the whole O'Brien yeah. thing. Or like how in the the anime Orange, this uh, character sends letters back to her past self, and it doesn't change her present, but she does it in the hope that her past self can change the past group of people's lives in their own timeline. Interesting. Like it's not going to help me personally, but you know, I hope you can keep this from happening to your friends. Yeah, and like and like and like how 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 even how even with uh, Deep Space Nine, how 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 I for, I forget which episode it happened, but but uh, but but when O'Brien was was like kind of going back and forth, and and how we got to the end of that episode, and 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 the 
the understanding that after that episode, we're basic, we basically have another timeline's O'Brien living in the one that we're watching. That was so weird and sad because O'Brien like literally died. Right? You know, I <laughs> forgot that uh, that happened to Picard too. Oh, in dude. Episode. did it? Yeah, he uh, he gets it's in the first season and he gets like the first six episodes and he gets taken over by an energy thing and like the energy thing is like we want to be one and then they warp out of the place and somehow like his consciousness or his his form is kept in the transporter so they just recreate and just replicate picard oh god like i guess technically the first picard we see is the one who lives on his consciousness in like a weird energy cloud and then like they replicated a second one it's insane Oh man, wow. I believe you that that happened, but I don't remember that at uh, all. It's, it's a I, I season one episode. It's, I kind of don't want to. Rough. That's just too much to think about now. Yeah. There's also that episode where like he's stuck in a time loop and he has to murder his time loop self to stop the time loop. Like Picard must his brain cannot handle all these things. Like he should have severe PTSD. I don't, I don't know, know how the, the, there are for sure corners of his mind where he has like lock stuff down to be put away <laughs> never think about it severe again. mental palaces yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. Ba- base- basically basically those episodes are the reason why he was chosen to play professor x in the x-men films <laughs> yep because you know Extreme he has that mental fortitude. mental willpower <clears throat> uh do you think uh ben should tell jake what happened it seems to be no. he's not, I mean, not no. no 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 too heavy That's shit yeah, That's way too heavy. heavy. I mean, maybe <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, long, long I mean, time. I mean, I mean, I mean, because, I mean, because you could, because you you know how there are things that you know how there are things that the, the parents or the parents or older siblings or or just older family members period like will never tell you. This is one yeah. of those things mm-hmm. where it's like he will never tell him. At least That's not for a long time. Let's fair. Now There's like a ben thing. Knows my mom. How I think. much his son loves him. I know. And he, oh oh my, my god! god. <laughs> you also can't tell Jake because then he would just have a one up on you forever. It's like, oh, I have to do dishes, Dad. Did I spend my whole life to save you? That happens. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I give a shit. You're just giving him way too big a trump card at that point. Yep. Was there anything else to say for the visitor? I don't think so. I think. Well, oh, oh wait, no, wait, wait. No. Um, there's a. Um, we got old Dax and Julian. Yeah, yes. yeah we get we, we get to see we, we get to see old Julian again. Only this time he is actually old. But we get getting to see old Dax can see old Jax is like mm. like <laughs> even as an older woman, she's still like super like super quick. It's like don't it's like she's still a badass. Don't mess with her. Mm. <laughs> I thought it was quite sweet that she kind of took over taking care of Jake at least for a little while yeah. you know oh that was really nice yeah you know Dax was probably the closest thing he had to a grandfather yeah I mean not really I guess I guess Curzon. uh well Curzon? is a uh, grandfather and eventually aunt yeah yeah something like that yeah it's confusing <laughs> yeah oh is uh is Benjamin's dad still alive yes yes because he because okay. Jake goes to live with his grandfather that's right. Yeah, and he, okay. Because he well, then the on on Deep Space Nine, the closest thing he has to a relative yeah. after Benjamin, and he has a, and, and and his grand and, and his granddad Benjamin's dad still has that restaurant in New Orleans. That's yes. right. Which I want to eat at so bad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> by the by the way, just like just as like something I wanted to point out, 
like my favorite shot of this my favorite shot of this of this episode what what was was the scene was the scene when kira went to go talk to jake the first time about like oh, getting off the shot. station like how they lit it how it's like just from one side how close the camera was just the intimate moment where it was like we are having a very intimate conversation i'm trying to get through to you but just that 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 love that level of understanding i don't know why that was a wonderful shot to me beyond anything else that happened in this episode not gonna lie no i thought it was i totally mm-hmm. agree peter i thought it was a fantastic shot i'm glad you brought it up yeah just i just i just want to say that so there so there you go andrew and andrew and jack if you're listening i do know cinematography i do know good moments so shut up <laughs> hey. shade 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 with love for you the listeners of geek space 9 gamefly is offering a premium free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service and you guys if you are gamers out there and i'm sure if you listen to star trek you very well could be a gamer you guys have to check out gamefly.com they have over 8,000 new releases and classics available to rent for xbox one ps4 wii u and a lot of older systems as well and get this you can have any console game or handheld game delivered directly to your mailbox that you get to have as long as you want. And I don't know about you guys, but if you've gone to the game store lately and bought a new AAA game, you'll find out that things are pretty dang expensive. And you could be $60 in a hole of a game you don't even like, whereas in Gamefly, you can just send that bad boy back, get a new one in, and keep that one as long as you like. There are never any due dates or late fees. And get this, now Gamefly actually lets you rent Blu-ray and DVD movies as too. So if you're a nerd like me and still get your movies in the mail the old-fashioned way, old-fashioned as in 2005, then you're going to love Gamefly.com. Plans start with one disc a month for $15.95, but as mentioned before, you can get a free 30-day trial by going to GameFlyOffer.com slash GS9. Again, that's GameFlyOffer.com slash the letter G, the letter S, and the number 9 for your free 30-day trial. Alright, well the next episode is Hippocratic Oath, which is Season 4, Episode 4. If you thought we'd get a non-depressing episode after The Visitor, you are sorely mistaken. (laughs) But first, let's discuss the B-plot. Worf is having trouble understanding why Odo and everyone else is allowing Quark to operate illegally on the station. This particularly upsets him when he finds out Quark is dealing with a man smuggling illegal crystals. He informs Odo, but is annoyed that Odo seems to dismiss his accusations. Worf takes matters into his own hands and waits for Quark and the smuggler to do the illegal trade. But when he busts them, Odo reveals to have been the bag all along. He tells Worf he planned to let the (laughs) transaction happen and infiltrate the entire smuggling operation to bust it from the inside, but now will have to settle for only one arrest. Worf goes to Sisko to tell him of how he blew the operation, as Odo was nice enough to not add it to his report. Sisko reveals he already knows this and that Worf will only have to get used to the more morally ambiguous world of Deep Space Nine. Hint, meta, hint. For our main storyline, we follow Miles and Julian on a routine mission when an accident causes them to crash land. They are surprised when Jim and our soldiers appear and capture them. The soldiers want to execute them, but their leader, Gorin Agar, stops them when he realizes Julian is a doctor. He informs Julian that the Jem'Hadar on the planet are deserters who followed him because they no longer wished to follow the Dominion. He also shows Bashir that he is freed from the Jem'Hadar genetic addiction to Ketracel White, an enzyme they need to survive that keeps them loyal to the Dominion. Gorin Agar had crashed on the planet years ago and had lived past the point of needing Ketracel White. 
believing that the planet contains the cure. But his fellow, Jim Hadar, are still addicted and will run out of white in several days. He tells Bashir he has five days to find a cure, or else the soldiers will kill Bashir, O'Brien, and Goranagar himself. Bashir doesn't wish to help, and O'Brien makes a makeshift device to stun the guard. However, when he is discovered, one of the, cr one of the soldiers is critically injured. Both the injured Jem'Hadar soldier and Goran's second-in-command expect the soldier to be killed to make the group stronger. However, Goran Agar surprises his men by sparing the injured soldier's life. Bashir now believes that Goran's freedom from the White has made him more compassionate and willing to evolve, while O'Brien is still in soldier mode and believes freeing them of White will only turn them into marauders free of Dominion control. Bashir begins to actually work on an antidote, and as his superior officer orders O'Brien to help him. However, O'Brien breaks away from his Jem'Hadar guard. Bashir realizes that the planet had no effect on Gorinagar, and that likely he is a genetic mutation who never needed white in the first place. With this breakthrough, Bashir is close to a cure when O'Brien arrives. He tells Bashir to come with him, but Bashir refuses. O'Brien destroys Bashir's workstation in order to save him, and Bashir, with nothing left to do, to help begins to leave. They are caught by Gorinagar, who takes them to the runabout. There, his second-in-command is about to kill Miles and Bashir when Gorinagar surprises and kills him first. He tells the duo that he will go kill the remaining Jem'Hadar, as he would rather have them die in battle than in pain to the drug. Bashir and O'Brien leave. O'Brien says Bashir has every right to charge him for disobeying orders. Bashir says he won't, but notes he is no, in no way forgiving of Miles' actions. Miles tells Bashir that despite whatever he thinks, whether he did was right or wrong, he did it because he truly believed Bashir would be killed if he succeeded or not by staying on the planet. Bashir notes tonight would be their usual game of darts, and the duo agree it's probably for the best they skip it, though maybe they will play again in the future. What do we think of Hippocratic Oath? It was good, but I we haven't had a happy episode this season. <laughs> I, Four straight intense episodes. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie kind of watch the next two <laughs> sorry peter i'm traitor yeah i couldn't help it but they're but but i but I, but 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 spoiler alert they are really good though so y'all will enjoy them i will say that much <laughs> well good I'm sorry i i happen to read i'm not gonna spoil it if you guys go into unspoiled it'd probably be great but there there sounds like a real wacky episode coming up yes uh Soon. Good. So I need it. I think we'll eventually get a real bit of whack <laughs> pretty soon. But what do you think of Hippocratic Oath despite being bummed out? It was I I really enjoyed Same. it. It's uh it was interesting to meet a Jem Hadar who was not addicted to white and uh you know as as we heard from Julian perhaps it was just, you know, a fluke in his you know, biology or perhaps a genetic mutation. I wish that he could have gone with Julian and O'Brien so that Julian could keep working on it yeah. and then maybe like have developed a cure for all of the Jem'Hadar. I that's why I thought it was such an interesting end, you know, because that's why I yeah. absolutely thought it was going both times. Where I thought there would be a cure and then that would be like a new thing. Like, like the episode with the Borg where they're like, well, we have this one Borg and maybe we could kill all the Borg like that way or then they'd have a new moral quandary like we could cure all the Jem'Hadar of their um, genetic mutations and maybe they'll join us or revolt or something but mm -hmm. both times it was very interesting the way they subverted that in very interesting morally 
ambiguous as the B plot mentioned uh, ways where Miles uh, destroyed that uh, station. That was a very surprising, interesting action that I was not expecting and not unreasonable more i thought about it at first i was like really miles but the more i thought about it, the more i kind of understand where he was coming from right even though well, i think more of Bashir's side yeah well, but especially before miles was an engineer he was a soldier so i i get him being in that mindset of we need to escape we need to destroy the enemy but Bashir, of course, being a doctor, it's like, no, we need to help these people. You know, again, Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm, right? Uh, yes. So. Um, we're, we're, we're interesting yeah. that Gorinagar uses that to, like, essentially torture him into doing the work, which is very interesting, where he, like, has his men go through withdrawal to show Bashir how horrible it is. Yeah. To then be like, you, I know that you pledged to not allow suffering. This is suffering, you know. So, what are you gonna do about it? So you gotta help us out. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, to have Gornagar be like, "I just can't leave my men behind as their commander. I've failed them, yeah. so I have to kill them." It's like, so that's so creepy and fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know how far y'all have gotten in Horizon Zero Dawn. So, yeah. Sarah's I mean, I've probably far. gotten farther than Ben, but. I'm not. I haven't finished it yet, yep, so no spoilers. Okay. No spoilers. There you go. Oh <laughs> man. All right. I was talking to one of my friends last night, and he's finished it already. So it's like trying to ask him things about the game, but I didn't really want spoilers either. Right. So we're just like, let's just talk about weapons. It's such a, it's such a different cross. It's such a difficult crossroads come, to come across to come at because it's like I want to know, but don't say anything. But tell me everything. But tell me nothing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He did say though that he got a strong feeling they were setting up for a sequel. Oh no, they totally are. They totally Good. are. Peter, how do you know this? Because I have friends that I, I because I have friends who, who I, I I have a friend who 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 was actually telling me who I I didn't realize he had done this until I was talking to him earlier today. He finished the game, but then he, but then he told he told me earlier today that that he, that he that he basically one hundred percented everything. So he's done all the things Jesus. like has he, he just, just not, not slept in the yeah, last week not slept or not worked he, like, he's Jesus. just been playing this game like hardcore angel if you're listening to this you are awesome because you've already 100 everything that quickly um you're kind of a badass but then again i already told you Jesus. that so you know this but also angel i played the game for eight him. like yeah no, yeah i know oh, no, he's sleeping now he's probably taking a nap i played the game for eight hours on tuesday and i still have I think I still have a pretty long way to go. I think so, finally, granted, like... I you know this is my first PS4 game, so I'm still getting used to the controls and things. And I you know died a lot, and I probably spent two hours hunting turkeys again. <laughs> Those power cells, you know. Those power cells. So I... back to the show. No, yeah. Yes. I want to talk. I want to talk, talk about the B plot. Um, because because I, because I was telling. I think I was told both of you, but I know I told Ben for sure. Um, at, at, at the at the end of the whole, at the end of the whole B plot, when 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 Odo was like, "Yeah, so I wanted this transaction to happen. You kind of mucked it up for me because I wanted to follow this dude back to back 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 to back to his home base so I could bust the whole thing open. But I guess I just have to settle for you. It it reminded it reminded me of of the of the uh, of the 
the DC and the DC animated straight to straight to video movie Justice Justice League War. It's it's a scene it's a scene that happens in the begin in the beginning of the film, um, because because this because this animated movie is like it's, it's kind of like a retelling of kind of like a retelling redoing of of how did all the members of the Justice League come together to to create their team. And so, and so it's the and so it's the scene when it's the scene when Green Lantern Green Lantern is is first like officially interacting with Batman, and Bat and Batman is chasing these criminals who are transporting some drug or something or what or whatever or whatever to their to their warehouse. And Green and Green Lantern shows up and he's like, "Dude, you're taking too long. They're right there. I got this." And just stops them right there. And Black and Batman and, and Batman catches up and he's like, and Batman's like, he's like, "Who's their supplier? Where are they getting the mm-hmm. drugs from?" Who are they delivering it to? Who's the head of the whole operation? Where were the other drugs going? Right. Where are they? Where, where were they actually taking the shit? Green Lantern's going? like, um, uh, uh, he's like, see, I had this under control. I was following, I was following like far enough behind that they thought they were, thought I was gone, but I knew exactly what was going on. You just mucked up everything. Green Lantern, Green Lantern's like, oops, and that's basically what this entire B plot was. <laughs> well, I. I... I like this beatbox because it explains something that I've been annoyed with. It's just like, why is Cork not in jail? I'm very yeah. much been war for a while, and it's like, oh, because he's there. He's uh, Odo's supply for the shadier customers who come mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. Uh, the situation, and Cork is generally not good at hiding his transactions. Clearly, nope. so that's why because he gets to just follow the people that he wants to arrest. Cork is yeah, he's, yeah, whatever. He's fine. Um, yeah. As long as he do doesn't do anything like seriously harmful, oh, yeah, then you know it's okay. But I just love the B plot because it's so clearly just like a big meta thing for anyone who watched TNG, and you know they they added Worf onto the show, partially mm-hmm. because Michael Dorn's a big actor, but also I'm sure partially to be like eh, it might help ratings to get like more TNG people to be like, hey, look, Worf's on the show now. So it's yeah. very clearly this episode is like, guys, this is not TNG. <laughs> Shit is not clear cut. This is a really weird morally ambiguous show meanwhile we're gonna have a very morally ambiguous side a plot which i thought yeah. was so great it was like such a meta thing where he's like look things on ds9 are kind of shades of gray you know they're not mm-hmm. black and white and that doesn't mean tng's bad by any means or or, or worse or whatever it's just deep space nine it, is different so you just, have to accept it's just that. here on this space station not everything is cut and dry and that's just kind of how we roll here because we are because as bashir as bashir said in episode one we're out on the frontier that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And they're just throwing shit out. They're just like Klingons are attacking, the minion are attacking, and everyone hates each other and by the it's way, all there's a wormhole, so you know there's that whole thing. Yeah, exactly. And we have Space Jesus as the main yes. character. And it's just, there's a lot of problems. <laughs> Space Jesus. So many things going on. We have a female character who used to be a man. Wink, wink. <laughs> and also and also a woman and also a man and also and also a woman. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is she, wasn't that a line that she said recently? She's like, I should know I've been a man several times. <laughs> yeah. No y- oh no, yes. Um God, what, what, I think that uh, was in the first episode. Yeah. Season. Mm-hmm. Do you think we'll see any more Jim Hadar uh, insurrection? Sort of interesting. I do I, I really do be- I mean, because 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 we've had two episodes now of like of like direct personal interaction with Jim Hadar. The first like the first time, yes, he wanted to go back because 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 as as we kind of find out as we kind of found out in, in this one, he wasn't a genetic mutation apart from other Jim Hadar. But now we have but but now we have Goran Agar, who was a mutation. So it's like we now know that it's possible. 
Mm-hmm. We have to totally. And he has this very, very interesting storyline where he talks about conquering races who are religious and they believe in a god. And he's like, the dominion are gods to us, but we get no reward from it. We get to like, we don't believe that we will get afterlife or that they the uh, the founders will ever give two craps about us. We also learn like the Jim'Hadar just don't even ever see the founders. And right. so my assumption is just the Vorda, the only one who see the founders, and maybe only a select few of them too. Um, and so there's this very interesting idea of like this soldier race built to conquer the world who never meet the people that they are soldiers for and uh, and are genetically designed to be that way. And how far can that genetic design really keep you till some form of empathy breaks through? Which is very right. interesting. Because there's one person, but one person obviously was able to convince hundred or you know a couple maybe like half a dozen Jem'Hadar to come with him so it's like how much can you know a powerful orator or something like that just one Jem'Hadar build some kind of insurrection within their ranks I don't know could be mm-hmm. interesting there maybe they won't even lose their dependence from the substance but maybe they'll like learn how to create it or something so they can right. yeah. I don't know at least be independent from the Dominion, even if they're still dependent on the drug. Yeah, because right. because Bashir did because Bashir did bring that up as a possibility when he was like, "What do you want me to do exactly?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there do were, you think? Uh, sorry, go on. Uh, there, 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 was, uh, there, there, there was a part um, in, the, in the in the in the main in the main plot when 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 it was the it was an exchange between O'Brien and Bashir that that I that I found to be scarily applicable to today. When, o- when O'Brien when O'Brien was like they, when O'Brien was like they're killers they're all killers there is no differentiation stop thinking that mm. way and I and I'm sitting there think and I'm sitting there watching it. it's like okay that's like the mindset of so many people around the globe about different about like about about anyone who just come right out and say it anyone who looks like a terrorist anyone who and anyone who is black anyone who's Hispanic Latino like if you are this you are automatically that and I was like that is super close to home right now mm-hmm. war makes people less sympathetic i mean it's, they really yeah, do it really that, does and that's that's o'brien's thing is o'brien's thing is we are at war with these people they will murder my family yep. and me if given the chance yep. they already said they want to execute me why should i care about them yep you know yeah verse and and it's it's the thing i liked about this episode I, I don't think either side is necessarily right you know or necessarily yeah. wrong either um which is what I found very fascinating. Was yeah, like, it, it was literally a both. perspective kind of thing. Do you think that this will cause a permanent damage to Miles and Julian's relationship? I don't think so. Um, mm, no. They think. may bring it up later again, but I don't know. Um, an episode break has a way of healing things <laughs> yeah. on this show. It did have and- sort of a story circle again another meta thing where they're like we're gonna be mad at each other for a while but we'll probably get over it you know yeah right i mean I, and, I, and i think i think that I, I think that 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 maybe not some de- well, not even maybe definitely not something to this extent but i think it happens with it i think it happens with most if not all friendships where 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 you're going to find that there are just different situations different circumstances different topics that like you where where you will find that you and whoever else will just be in an impasse and you have completely different ways of thinking and you just have to kind of come to terms with that and and just figure out okay how 
like we'll still be friends but how will we move past this and so the, and so they just and so they just found out through an extreme circumstance you believe in change you, you 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 believe that there's a possibility that they can change i don't at all mm-hmm. totally well, is there anything else? But it's okay. We'll just take a break, take a break from it, and right. uh, come back for darts next week. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, never mention this again. <laughs> Barring arguments, you know, it's a very yes. classic sort of argument thing. I think anyone who's had a long-term friendship or relationship knows there's just those times you don't bring up again because you only bring them up when you're really, really mad at each other and you. Hey, that's right. A big point. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like how for a lot of families, like you never bring up politics or religion at the dinner table. You just don't. Nope. Nope. I wish that were true. Uh, yeah. We 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 set a no politics rule for Christmas, and it was the greatest idea we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> just don't. Not neither side. Not doing it. Mm-mm. Not gonna happen. Was well, there anything else to say for Hippocratic Oath? Not for me. No, so now we can add a bag to list of stuff that Odo's yeah. transformed I into. It didn't take many. Oh my god, that's right. We just didn't transfer to many things in uh, in season three, but I don't have many from season three. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, the so, reason for that though is is, be, is because is because the Dominion was doing all of the tra- all the all the transforming for him. Right. Yeah. yeah There's a lot of other changelings. Yeah. Yeah. They, the changelings were every were the changeling were everything and everyone else. So so Odo kind of was able to take a backseat to that. He was like, "I'm good." That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been our episode. Next week we'll be discussing season four, episode five, and episode six, which are indiscretion and a little episode that just happens to be called Rejoined. Yay! <laughs> Either that or it's going to make me really sad or angry or something. I don't know. But I've been looking forward to this since we started watching Deep Space Nine. And it is finally here. Yep. I might have to take over for that half of next week's episode. By all indeed, means, indeed. Thank you. I would love that. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meat Shield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meat Shield. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It does help us find new listeners. Until next time, this is the crew of Geek Space Nine, signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>